What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Hope everyone is doing well out there uh, today. And gosh, I've been uh, thinking quite a bit about uh, just kind of going off of a couple uh, episodes ago about uh, the similarities that I've been finding from you know our beloved uh, baseball card hobby here and the other hobbies there around. In particular, uh, the uh, the muscle. Uh, community, which is funny. As, as a friend of mine said recently, he said, uh, I find it funny that there actually is a muscle community. So what is, uh, what are muscles? I've talked about before, they're those actual, those uh, uh, flesh-colored uh, two-inch uh, little characters uh, that were made of rubber or plastic, you depend on if they're from America or Japan. And they came in a little four-pack uh, blisters or uh, little plastic translucent uh, garbage cans. And uh, I've uh, kind of been able to, oh, I don't know, use the parallels that I've uh, experienced between the two communities, the baseball card community and the uh, presumably much smaller uh, muscle community, and uh, kind of refresh my memory on certain things that hold to be true uh, for baseball cards in the hobby. So uh, I'm going to use... Uh, my findings with uh, the muscle community here uh, to kind of illustrate uh, some truths in the baseball card hobby and community. So we're going to be talking about, uh, well, it's actually very simple. Basically, it boils down to supply and demand. And I think a lot of people, I don't know if there's anybody on the planet that hasn't, you know, that collects cards at least, that hasn't heard that term, supply and demand. Uh, or you know, in school for various other things, because it's it's obviously something that uh, um, that's very well known. So supply and demand, uh, or put another way, uh, rarity versus desirability. So there's another way of saying it. Uh, we'll see this a lot in baseball cards, where you have a super rare uh, proof or you know, one of one or something that gets the pants beat off of it by a card that's much higher numbered. Uh, so take, for example, uh, the newer one of ones versus the cards from the 90s that might have 25 or 50 copies. Um, you'll have a one of one, especially nowadays, because the actual term one of one and what a one of one is, is really being kind of diluted. I'm sure you agree. Over the past, you know, three years or so, uh, especially, where if you have an on-card autograph one of one of any given player, it's like, well, that's great. It's the only copy of that, but there's so many one of ones out there of any given player. So you might have one of a fairly prominent player that might be a one of one that's, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars or something. And uh, so, is it rare? Yeah. Is it beautiful? Probably. You know, I'm sure most everything they put out nowadays is, is beautiful. Uh, but is it as desirable as a, let's say, just as an example, a 98 Crusade uh, Red that's numbered out of 25? Most of the time, you're going to say no. The Red Crusade will uh, end at auction many, 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 many times higher in multiples of what a nor one of one will uh, uh, will bring for a lot of the bigger players. Why is this? 
Well, uh, let's take, for instance, uh, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. There's, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how much uh, Red Crusade King Griffey Jr. runs nowadays, but uh, it's going to be in the many, many thousands of dollars. And uh, a one of one regular Griffey nowadays uh, that's been printed in the past couple years is not going to come close to it. So why is this? Well, it's because there's a lot of people, I mean, there's many reasons, but, you know, for one thing, uh, everybody wants a Griffey one of one, right? Like if, uh, if one floats down the, down the river and you see it, and I'm sure you're not going to turn that down. I'm sure you're going to say, wow, that's really cool. I love it. Um, I would, I would love to have this. When it comes to uh, Red Crusade from 98, people, there are people out there that are not only trying to complete, uh, you know, their Griffey runs or whatever, uh, there are also guys out there that are trying to complete sets. And, of course, there are sharks out there that know that Red Crusades are highly desirable. So, while a R Griffey Red Crusade might have 25 times as many copies out there as, say, a one-of-one one Topps Tribute Griffey or whatever, um, there's going to be many, many, many people out there that are actively searching and dare I say dreaming about getting a Red Crusade Griffey. Um, there aren't many people that are going to be dreaming at night about a uh, one of one newer product of Griffey. Uh, <laughs> certainly not compared to the numbers that would be dreaming about a 98 Red Crusade Griffey. And so that is reflected uh, in multiples in uh, uh, auction uh, results. And so uh, you know, kind of what I wanted to do is, uh, is you know, switch tracks once again uh, to tell you a little bit about what I've learned about these, uh, these muscle figures. And we're going to kind of go into uh, some vintage cards as well, because uh, I've got kind of a fun story there also. But uh, if I remember <laughs> before I hit the end of, uh, before I hit the end of this podcast. But anyways, uh, so uh, the muscle figures, what's been, what's fun is they actually have rainbows as well. You'll have some characters that have, uh, I think, up to eight or so different colors. And uh, I've noticed that as my little humble collection is growing, uh, I want to get these runs of colors just like I do with baseball cards. Now, the muscle figures are from 1985 or something. Uh, so, you know, you didn't really see too many color runs of cards back then. I don't think you probably actually saw any, certainly not, you know, with eight different flavors like that. Uh, so I thought it was kind of interesting that they, uh, that they capitalized on the desire uh, of collectors to have the same figure, but in multiple, uh, multiple colors. Now, these pieces of the muscle action figures are not serial numbered, uh, but also something that makes it a little more confusing is that a lot of these colors of certain characters uh, are uh, very, you know, they, they vary quite a bit in rarity. So you might have one, uh, one action figure that's uh, in, say, green, and that green action figure is like, of, let's say, Mammoth Man. There's a guy named Mammoth Man. So uh, if he's, if you see a purple version of him, uh, he is uh, going to be like maybe five bucks. If it's a green version, might be a couple hundred bucks. 
which is crazy, right? Like I never would have thought that there's, uh, <laughs> there's, uh, this kind of market for it, but, uh, it gets crazier. So, uh, we also have a different color. So first of all, think of this mammoth man, uh, green is very rare and expensive purple. Not so much. You go to another figure called the claw, the green figure, you know, get 40, $50. The purple claw will get a lot. I think the last recorded uh, sale from what I hear is $1,500. Um, so I don't know if there's necessarily a rhyme or reason uh, to why what color is rare as compared to others, but uh, it would be sure would make it a lot easier if like all purples were rare uh, or all reds were rare or all blues. That's just not how this works. So it kind of uh, keeps you on your toes a little more when it comes to, uh, to auctions or anything. So uh, speaking of the claw, uh, that is actually something that a little bit of a light bulb came on for me uh, this morning. As I was uh, reading uh, some of the community uh, messages uh, from other collectors, one guy said, I don't know what it is about this purple claw, like why it's so expensive. It's overpriced in my opinion. Uh, it shouldn't be uh, the cost that it is because it's not uh, not very rare. And so, well, first of all, I've heard that there's probably about 30 of them out there in the world. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that's basically what I've heard. So, uh, now, uh, one thing that's kind of interesting though is I think what this person that mentioned that uh, did is what many baseball card collectors do. And that is that they looked only at the rarity only at that, you know, serial number in the back. Well, it's one of one versus it's out of 50 or whatever. Uh, so, uh, why is the purple claw the, like so expensive compared to the others, especially if according to this guy, it's not all that rare and Hey, maybe 30 of these, given the size of the community, maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe that means it's not all that rare <laughs> compared to, uh, you know, how many collectors there are out there are out there. I don't think that's the case, but in any event, uh, the main reason is because like, why is it desirable so much? Well, if you ask any kid back in the eighties about what muscle character they'd want, it's always the claw. That's the one that stands out. I mean, shoot, I had one, uh, in my office displayed and my wife came, came in and she looks at all these muscle figures I have. She goes, you know what, Tanner? Out of all of these, the only one that looks cool is this claw one. She said this hand one. <laughs> so it kind of, it has uniqueness. Uh, it also has the clout of being uh, the front runner of uh, notoriety, popularity for the entire muscle run. There's 236 of them or something, I think. And so, and there's, you know, keep in mind, there's prototypes out there. There's some that are possible one-offs and some that are like much rarer. Uh, some that might even possibly get more money, uh, bring more money than this one. But uh, by and large, uh, that's kind of like the market for this. There's a, there's a much bigger market, I think, for the Purple Claw. So, uh, you know, you ask anybody that collected, they say, well, the Claw is the one that sticks out. So why Purple? Why is that one the Big Daddy? Well, the Purple is the rare. So in other words, the Purple Claw is the rarest version of the most popular uh, iconic muscle figure 
that was ever created. And so you can look online, you look in the communities. One of the ways that you can uh, tell that this is true, aside from the fact that just asking collectors, hey, what's the, you know, what's the poster child of all these muscle figures? You can look and see how many reprints and fakes are made of the claw, in particular, uh, purple. And so <laughs> it's kind of funny. I actually said, well, hey, look, you know, as I'm kind of going through this journey of investigation and, and discovery, and I love this stuff, by the way, like <laughs> I enjoy getting to know new areas of, of collectability or collectum, collecting them. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I put up something I said, wanted purple claw. I had 12 people uh, react to it. Half of them laughed. <laughs> so oh, this newbie, there's, you know, you need to knock that off. You need to uh, start uh, small and worry about, you know, completing the set of the of the base guys were first. Well, guess what? Uh, this newbie ended up landing uh, the Holy Grail uh, purple claw, <laughs> and so I've got one right now. I uh, just got it in today. Really excited about it, and uh, you know, I did not pay fifteen hundred for it. I paid. Uh, a little bit less and uh, a lot of it's because I know that I've got some other people that are that would be very interested in paying at least what I paid so it's kind of like a fun little safety net there anyways um, but in any event uh, very cool to be able to see this and so I started thinking about this also uh, when it, you know what's a good metric to see like what uh, piece is like super desirable well one good metric is to be able to look uh, at the number of fakes and reprints and fantasy pieces that were actually created uh, for that specific uh, for that specific piece, and so you'll see this a lot when it comes to uh, baseball cards. So, in particular, vintage. So, think about this with uh, you know Cracker Jack, Joe Jackson, or Ty Cobb, or a T206 Cobb, or a 33 Gowdy Ruth, uh, 52 Tops Mantle. Um, we all know that those are uh, top dog cards, but one way that we can back this up also is we see the number of reprints and fakes and fantasy cards and everything and, and different you know, things that people have made and they're selling online. So I mean, even, you know, shoot for 52 tops mantle, you, you uh, type in 1952 tops mantle on eBay, the vast majority of them are not going to be authentic real 52 tops males that's just kind of how it goes uh, there's you know there's a lot of different you know refractors that they made over the years or commemorative cards and and the whole reason why is because it's so desirable of a card people you know the card companies they recognize that uh, there is a tremendous desire to have some semblance of the 52 tops card in their collection even if it was created in 1996 or you know, 2006 or 2022. And uh, so of course that could be uh, done nefariously by uh, other people that are trying to, you know, sell, uh, you know, homemade cards that uh, look like this, that look like they're a real thing and pass it off as real. But, uh, but still there's so many of them out there because it is seen as an iconic card. And so that's kind of why I've seen the muscle community seeing all these people that are actually creating with their 3D printers, uh, you know, regular claws or, you know, different colors or whatever. Like there's glow-in-the-dark versions that people have done. There's, uh, you know, 10-inch jumbo 
massive pieces that people have done. I mean, like all kinds, it's like crazy to see. Uh, and you don't really see that with too terribly many other figures. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's kind of, uh, kind of fun to be able to see this, uh, um, these kinds of parallels when it comes to uh, baseball cards as uh, well as muscle figures. And surely this kind of goes in through any other hobby as well. Uh, and so like one of these cool uh, cards that I've kind of run into this, this little, little bit of a different story, but it's something that I wanted to talk about anyways, because it's a fun little story. So a number of months ago, somebody reached out to me and said, uh, you know, hey Tanner, listen, I know that you like Billy Sunday and I've got a card of Billy Sunday. Would you like to see it? I was like, yeah, sure. And I was thinking it was going to be like an old judge card. And normally I don't really need to pick up any other old judge Billy Sundays. I've got one. I'm satisfied with it. I'm happy. I think it's, uh, it's cool. I might have told you part of this uh, story anyways, uh, as it is, but we'll, <laughs> we'll say it again. But, uh, so he shows me, uh, a picture of the card and I go, huh, that's not old judge comes out, I come to find out it is a yum yum tobacco uh, card of Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday, of course, you've heard me talk about him before. He's one of the most influential evangelists of, uh, you know, in America. And uh, he had a big hand apparently in the 18th amendment. That's the prohibition of the uh, sales and distribution of uh, alcohol, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, so anyways, I, <laughs> I told the guy, I said, man, no, so first of all, that's a rare card, obviously, you know this. Uh, in fact, I think out of the entire PSA and SGC registry, I think only 105 or so Yum Yum tobacco cards total have been graded. So, and I don't think you'll find a picture of this Billy Sunday card online. Uh, Maybe there's one in the Library of Congress. I don't know. There's just like some, you know, <laughs> you'll see a lot of other yum yum tobacco cards out there with the pictures. Even like one of these more official looking checklists, uh, visual checklists, that one's missing. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. But I told him, I said, you know, listen, that's a great card. It's rare. Um, however, the photograph on this portrait, the beautiful portrait of yum yum tobacco from 1888, mind you, is not Billy Sunday. It's Mark Baldwin. And so, uh, kind of interesting story there is that uh, I actually wrote an article on this at tamanbaseballfan.com forward slash blog if you want to take a look. But uh, it's an interesting story about Mark Baldwin. In a lot of ways, he was the uh, opposite, complete opposite of Billy Sunday. Um, and <laughs> the interesting thing about this is there was a uh, the Pittsburgh team was called the, I think the Algonies or something back then. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce it because I've never heard it out loud. Uh, I've only seen, you know, read it in, in books and that sort of thing. So uh, apparently because of some weird, I don't know exactly what all was going on. It's hard for me to kind of articulate what I do know, uh, <laughs> you know, on, on this podcast here. But ultimately what happened was uh, Mark Baldwin was, uh, uh, tasked with uh, trying to coach players and so to you know to jump leagues basically and so some people uh, mentioned that this was piratical behavior and so as a result uh, the Pittsburgh uh, team ended up becoming known as the Pittsburgh Pirates so there's really kind of a fun little backstory 
on in this case of mistaken identity. Now, obviously, there are other uh, famous cards in the past uh, that we know have had mistaken identity. For example, the 85 Tops Gary Pettis. Uh, the picture of the player is not a picture of Gary Pettis on 85 Tops. It's actually his 15-year-old brother <laughs> who suited up and took the picture uh, for him instead, which is kind of fun. Uh, it, the One of the more uh, famous ones is 87 Donners opening day. Uh, those beautiful 87 Donners cards with purple borders. Uh, they, uh, the Barry Bonds card has the corrective version and the error version, which actually shows Johnny Ray. So, which is kind of, uh, you know, kind of a fun little, uh, little error for sure. So <laughs> just, uh, a mere century before this, that's uh, that's what happened with Yum Yum Tobacco. And by the way, they didn't just do this with the Billy Sunday card. They did this with uh, Cap Anson's and I think some others as well. So it was a, it was a mess. But in any event, it was a, it was a fun thing. I I wish that I had a portrait of Billy Sunday uh, as well. But having the Billy Sunday card and the actual portrait is really something that's kind of special. But that goes to show you, like, also just uh, the rarity. Uh, it's This car is super rare, but guess what? The majority of you all out there listening have probably never heard of 1888 Yum Yum Tobacco before. I haven't heard of it uh, up until maybe three years ago or so. And I thought, yeah, I'll never see one of those for as long as I live. That's that's just an impossible hard card to, you know, come by. So no way. Um but you know, all the while, there's still plenty of old judge cards out there. Alan Ginner, Goodwin, um, you know, not not many Gypsy Queens at all. Those are like, <laughs> those are super tough, also. You know, don't you know, believe me. But uh, really kind of fun just to weigh back and forth uh, rarity versus desirability. So, uh, you know, kind of jumping back over, there's a lot of people uh, that are. Uh, picking up these uh, error type cards, the miscuts and, and all this, and they're thinking, you know, hey, I've got a one of one here. I've got something really amazing. And, and truly, a lot of them are. But, you know, there's a, there's a reason why a lot of these will sell for $10, $20, $30 and not the uh, $1, $200, $300, like the one of one pack pull versions uh, of these cards. And uh, that's because the desirability isn't there. Now, there is one important point to note here. Just because they're not as desirable right now, today, doesn't mean that they won't be tomorrow. Yeah, so, so things can change. We've seen uh, things change wildly uh, within a year in this hobby. So you never know. Uh, so it's kind of fun to be able to just speculate and see what might happen in the future and all that for sure. Uh, but in any event, you know, if you have a oversized card of, uh, you know, 95 or let's say 92 tops Cal Ripken Jr. or something like that that you think is the only one around and very well might be the only one around uh you know uh for today uh 98 Crusade Red if there is one of Ripken I guess there is I don't know uh, <laughs> you know they're very they're very well may not be I don't know I haven't checked the the Ripken checklist but uh, but you know, guess what? If there is one that exists, that's going to be way more valuable than the oversized, uh, 92 tops, uh, Ripken. So that doesn't mean that the 92 tops oversized card isn't, uh, special in its own right, because it definitely is. But 
the important lesson to learn here for everybody, I think, is this, is don't just look at the rarity. That's the main point that I'm trying to drive home here. Always look at the desirability as well. If the desirability, if the demand is there, you could have cards where a supply of them is huge and it's okay and that card will still outsell cards that are, that are uh, much rarer than they are. And especially when it comes to vintage stuff. So even thinking about, uh, you know, the, uh, let's say the Ty Cobb T206s, those cards go for good money, like low grade. A lot of times we're talking, uh, depending on which version, between four and seven thousand dollars for like the lowest of the grades. For a lot of these, I mean, that's that's some you know serious money. Uh, and the uh, pop report PSA, if I remember correctly, shows somewhere around a thousand of each of these existing. Um, it varies from like you know seven hundred to twelve hundred or whatever I think, but. Um, you know, it's not just a matter of it being a one of one or you know, 25 or out of 50. And that's, by the way, just the graded ones for PSA. You could double them if you're talking about looking at SGC and maybe triple, quadrupling, or, you know, fivefold or more when we're talking about uh, raw as well. So, uh, but guess what though? The desirability of these is so high. All these people want a Ty Cobb. Uh, T206, and who can who can blame somebody that wants one of these, right? Uh, it obliterates what all these other cards that are much rarer possibly could uh, could do. Now, keep in mind another thing as well. Uh, there are some uh, Ty Cobb cards that are going to be much rarer uh, of his playing career that obviously, like I've been trying to say, that don't sell as well as these T206s, but there are also some that are rare, that uh, much rarer, and they will command a much higher price as well, because the desirability is there. You know, if there's something that, uh, you know, maybe like a strip card or something that, uh, <laughs> that, you know, people don't really collect all that much, you know, you might have uh, a mid-grade cob go for, you know, hundreds of dollars instead during his playing career, it's because the desirability isn't there even though there's not nearly as many um, as the T206s. So, uh, but anyways, it's kind of fun seeing uh, how things work in baseball, uh, baseball cards, and how they work very similarly in, uh, you know, collecting action figures and all these other things as well. So, uh, and, you know, so <laughs> after thinking of all this, it, it hit me. This muscle figure, the claw, the, the poster child for... Uh, this muscle figure line. The claw is the Babe Ruth of the muscle figures. That's what conclusion I came to. And so therefore, uh, in spite of the fact that it may not be rare, though the purple one most certainly is, uh, <laughs> its uh, desirability is going to go up super high. Like even the, the flesh version, uh, these, these uh, flesh figures, by the way, in lots, you'll typically pick them up for like a buck or more each, right? Well, by itself, the claw will typically go in the 20 to $25 range, which is pretty cool because it's not rare. It's just, it's much, much, much more desirable. So anyways, those are my thoughts. Uh, supply and demand, uh, rarity versus desirability. 
and uh, you know, hope that kind of helps you guys think through some things whenever it comes to your next purchase or sale. Um, as always, feel free to you know, shoot me any questions that you have at tamandbaseballfan.gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to answer. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Have a great day.